Amen. Hey, we're going to have a good time in the Word of God today, and I hope you're doing well. If you're not doing well, you ought to be. Uh, you ought to be having fun and being happy, because I would think that people going to heaven ought to be a whole lot happier than people on the way to hell, right? <laughs> so we should be some of the happiest folk on the planet, uh, knowing not just what is waiting for us in the sweet by and by, but what we get to experience in the right here and now. We are people of the kingdom of God. And Paul summed up the kingdom of God in real simple terms. He was trying to simplify it for everyone. And he said, the kingdom of heaven isn't about eating and drinking or these rules and regulations concerning eating and drinking, or we can apply that to anything. You know, the way that we conduct church, the way that we conduct prayer, it's not about following these rules and regulations, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the fact that the Holy Spirit has come alongside of you, a, he is the paraclete, is the one who comes alongside. The fact that he is filling you up, you have access to righteousness. Rightedness is what that means. It means that you were crooked at one time, but God straightened you up. And now you can think right. You can talk right. You can process right. You can understand and perceive the world in the right way. You have access to that. Peace. Whoo, everyone take a big deep breath. Peace. That should be the default mode of every believer, right? The word of God should be more powerful in our life. I'm not condemning anyone, so no one get super offended. But if you get offended, I'm sorry, this is just the reality of the kingdom of God. The word of God should give us far more peace than Xanax and Zoloft and Xerox. And any of the other X type stuff, right? It, it's uh, the word of God. If God says it, he means it. We can stand on his word. Uh, his kingdom, peace and joy. His kingdom is a place of rest. It's a place of rest. Now, does that mean that you don't do it? No, we, there's plenty to do in his kingdom and there's plenty to be busy about. But it's, it's the mindset of, of Sabbath, of rest. And so we're going to talk about Sabbath. This week and next week, we're going to talk about the Sabbath of faith. The Sabbath of faith. We're going to find out that Sabbath is more than just taking a day off during the week, which is a good practice. And I hope, I hope everyone, I try to take Fridays, I try to make Fridays my weekly Sabbath. Uh, it doesn't always work because emergencies don't take the Sabbath off, right? So if a family's in trouble and they need the pastor to come pray or whatnot, it's not like, oh, wait, we're not going to have this uh, trouble on Friday, so let's wait, let's push it off another day or two. Uh, but, but that's usually my, my personal target is on Fridays. I try to take Fridays off. And, and uh, so hopefully you guys, if you, if you work a Monday through Friday job, hopefully you can take a Saturday or Sunday to just rest and, and not do a whole lot of anything. That's, that's good, but Sabbath is far more than that. Sabbath is actually a principle that God is trying to teach us. So we're going we're gonna to look at some base scriptures just to kind of give the foundation of Sabbath. And then we're actually going to uh, kind of do a little more expository look at uh, Hebrews chapter 3 this week. And then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. But, but I want you to get it because we're going to be talking about how to live in the kingdom of God. We are kingdom citizens. You are more... If you're here and you're a citizen of the United States, you are more a citizen of the kingdom of heaven than you are of the United States. 
you know? Uh, if you're here, maybe you're from another country. Praise God. Man, I love how multinational our, our little congregation is. For us to be the size that we are, man, we got people from all over. I love that. But we are all have the commonality that we are all, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ and he is our Lord, he is, we have bowed our knee to him and submitted to him, confessed him as Lord, and we believe in our heart that he was risen from the dead, then we are all citizens of a wonderful kingdom that is much bigger than any government, much more prominent. It, his kingdom is everlasting and has always existed. And he's given us access to it through Christ Jesus. So we're going to talk about one, one, of the, one of the principles of the kingdom of God is Sabbath, rest. Rest. You could be right in the middle of doing things. You can be right in the middle of your personal trial, and you can still be at rest. Woo, isn't that awesome? How do I get that? I want me some of that. How do we get there? We're all glad you asked. We're going to talk about that. Genesis chapter 2, this is where it starts out, Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day, everyone say seventh day. God had finished his work of creation. Now, are you part of creation? I just want to know this. Yes. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy's part of creation. We're still questioning some of y'all. <laughs> we are part of his creation, right? So every work of his creation, which includes me, you, what does it say that he did? He finished. He finished his works of creation. So he rested from all his work. Uh, some translations will say he ceased from all his work. Think about that. On the seventh day. Do you realize that's where God's hanging out? Nowhere in the Bible do you find that it says he moved on to the eighth day or ninth day or tenth day. So he's in the seventh day. Right? And it says, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So in reality, if we get into the right mindset, now understand God operates outside of time. We, we process our lives with this concept of time. And even scientists are proving that time ultimately really doesn't exist. It's just the way our brain processes things, right? We have to categorize and, and, and organize. But God exists outside of that. And it says that on the seventh day, he finished everything to do with his creation. And he's resting. He's at rest. So if you say, God, I need you to move in this situation, is God going to get up and move in that situation? According to this, no. He's going to say, oh, yeah, that. Hey, don't worry, next Thursday, you're going to find the answer to that situation. I already took care of it. I planted it next Thursday. You just got to catch up to it. <laughs> That's why the Bible uses things in past tense at times. By his stripes, you are healed, or some translations say, were healed. God already healed. The, the healing's already there. You just got to catch up to the manifestation of it. That's kingdom life. So that's why God's not panicking. God, do you see what's going on in me? Yeah, I already knew what was going on with you. I took care of that. 
Uh, just give it about two months and wait on me. Trust in me. I'm taking, I'm taking care of it. God, aren't you going to get up? Nope. <laughs> why? I already took care of it. That's why it's provision. Beforehand. I'm taking care of you beforehand. Okay? So that's the principle of this Sabbath. And he blessed the seventh day. Right? Exodus 31.15 He's trying to, remember, everything in the Old Testament is a type and foreshadow. It's a lesson. It's a pattern. And so he's trying to teach his people what his desire for them is. And his desire for them is to Sabbath. And so he's doing it in simple terms. You have six days each week for your, your ordinary work. But the seventh day must be a Sabbath or rest day, a Sabbath day of complete rest a holy day dedicated to the Lord. In other words, that's a day I want you to commune with me and not do anything and understand I have it taken care of. That's why when they had to go collect manna, you remember on the sixth day, they collected twice as much. Every day they were only allowed to collect the amount of manna they needed for that day because God was teaching them, don't worry about tomorrow because I'm taking care of you tomorrow. I've got provision for tomorrow. But on the sixth day, go out and collect two days worth of manna because on the seventh day, I don't want you doing anything. Matter of fact, you can stay in your tent half the day if you want. Rest. Spend time with me. Chill out. Everything's taken care of. All the other days, if they collected more manna than they needed, when they woke up the next day, that manna would like be full of maggots and everything. Oh, it would rot. But the sixth day, they could go ahead and collect what they needed for the seventh, and it would be fine. Now, notice he was so dead set on this. <laughs> Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to create a model. He is dead set on creating this model, this concept of Sabbath. And yet, even his people today, his people back then struggled with the concept. And we as believers struggle with the concept of Sabbath, of rest, we say that we are believers, we say we are people of faith, yet we still stress out. We still get filled with anxiety. We still freak out. We still get nervous. We still, why? If we really trusted him, if he said, I got everything taken care of, I promise you in my covenant with you, if you will trust me, I will take care of everything. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. I will make you a great nation. I will, matter of fact, people are going to come to you to borrow money. You'll never have to borrow money from me. I will make, I will bless the socks off of you if you'll just trust me. Ooh, that sounds great. Then the first time we run into a roadblock, we're just, oh Lord, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, are we really people of faith, right? And yet here we are, Isaiah says this. God has told his people, here is a place of rest. <laughs> come on, people, come to me. There's a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest. But they wouldn't listen. So the Lord will spell out his message for them again, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here, a little there, so that they will stumble and fall they will be injured and trapped and captured. Let me apply that to today's lesson. That's why Christianity is so full of rules and regulations. He's calling us to a place in his kingdom of full faith, full submission to him. We just trust him and we can rest. We can breathe. But instead, 
We, we, no, 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 we got to strive for things. We, we, we've got to act good enough. We've got to be good enough. So he's trying, so what does he do? He, he permits his gospel, his good news to be taught line upon line, precept upon precept, rule here, regulation there, so that ultimately we realize even that we can't live up to those standards typically, right? All the legalistic rules and regulations that we've come up with in Christianity, we can't even live up to those standards. And we, you wind up finding yourself captured and bound again by defeat and, and the accuser of the brethren's whispering crazy stuff in your head. When all the while Christ is saying, hey, he's, he's echoing what he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight to us all the time. Matthew 11, starting with verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Does that describe anybody? I've been there. And I will give you rest. Woo! Man, I could use some of that, huh? Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, the Greek there is suke, which is where we get the word psyche, which is where... Uh, we get the concept of the mind from. I will give you rest for your mind. Anyone ever try to go to sleep at night and you can't get your mind just to stop spinning because you're worrying about stuff? He's saying, come to me. Take my yoke and learn of me because I'm humble and gentle in spirit and heart. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Is there anyone in the house, you don't have to, this is a rhetorical question, you don't have to raise your hand unless you just feel compelled to. Anyone in the house feel like you are carrying a heavy burden right now? Man, it is a heavy burden. You don't understand what I'm having to deal with, what I'm going through. If you feel like you're carrying a heavy burden, guess what? It didn't come from the Lord. So who did it come from? They shouldn't have authority over your life. If he is Lord, he should be the only authority in your life. And his authority, he says... My burden's light. What about all the stuff I'm having to take care of? You can still take care of it and still be in his rest. You can still go through the fight. You think the three Hebrew, we, we call them boys. They really weren't boys. But the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown in the fire. You think they enjoyed that? You don't think their heart raced a little bit as they got, as they got close enough? The guards are starting to die. It was so hot. And then they kick them off in there only to find there was someone as bright as the son of God walking around. It said that they were walking around in the fire. What were they doing? They were hanging out, walking around. Could you imagine being in the middle of a hot fire and not being burnt? I'd walk around too just to see what, <laughs> just see what it looked like, right? So you can be in the midst of the fire and still experience rest. Woo, boy, it's getting crazy all around me, but I feel at peace. I've been, some of you, some of you, we've got several families that are going through the fire. And, and I've been so encouraged and so blessed uh, because, because as, as we talk, as we talk, Brother Langston, I love you, man. <laughs> you gonna wave at everyone? <laughs> uh, you know, as, as we talk, you know, I've had people tell me, you know what? I know it sounds crazy, but man, I'm so full of peace. I mean, it's not fun what I'm going through, but man, I just feel so full of peace because I know God's taking care of this and God's not going to let me go. 
I'm like, yes, they're growing. They're perfecting their faith, right? So, so this is just this whole concept that Jesus is talking about is, hey, come on, let's, let me give you rest. So how do I get into this rest? How do we live from that mindset? How do we live in a default of peace? Well, we're going to see it in Hebrews chapter 3, starting with verse 1, okay? Uh, now, we're just going to kind of go verse by verse. Everyone still with me? I know at, at seminary, they'll teach you not to use too many Bible verses, and I commit that crime every single week because I just figure the Bible preaches far better than I do. So here we go. And Paul is talking to the name of the book, Hebrews. And we learned last week the, the term Hebrew means one from beyond. You remember last week we talked about Abram, that, hey, go find Abram the Hebrew. It meant go find Abram. He's from beyond. He ain't from around here. He ain't nothing like us. So Paul is talking to a group of Hebrews that are coming into the understanding of Christ. They're trying to reconcile everything that they were taught from day one. And this person who is now claiming to be Messiah, and everyone's claiming that he not only was crucified, but now he's resurrected. And, and the face of, of uh, the terrain is changing when it comes to, to faith. And so Paul He's, he's comparing different concepts that they were used to. And so he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. He just got through talking about how Christ is our high priest, which that would have spoke volumes to them. Okay. So he's like, I want you to think really carefully about this Jesus. And then notice what he does. He says, for he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. This would have been huge because nobody was bigger than Moses to the Jews. Like that was for all of us Americans, that was like George Washington on steroids, right? This, like Moses was huge. He led them out of captivity and to the doorstep of their promised land. He worked miracles. I mean, he was, he, he heard from God personally. He actually got to see part of God to the point his face was shining. Like no one was bigger than Moses. And now here Paul is making a comparison of Jesus to Moses. This would have gotten their attention. Whoa, you're comparing this Jesus to Moses? And he says this. He says, Moses was uh, faithful when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. That would have been like a huge statement. Jesus is greater than Moses. He says, uh, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. So he's linking Christ back with God. Moses was certainly faithful in, in God's house as a servant. So he called Moses a faithful servant. Look at what he calls Jesus. Uh, his work was an illustration of the truths God will reveal later. Now keep in mind, everything that Moses did, his work was an illustration for truth that would be revealed later. So we can look back at the whole life and journey of Moses and draw comparisons to what God is doing with us today, 
right? So verse six, but Christ as the son is in charge of God's entire house. So he said Moses was a great servant in the house of God, but Christ is actually in charge of the house. And then he says, and we are God's house. So we're not talking about a physical house. We're talking about all of us. Moses was there to serve us. And he did by illustrating some principles for us. But Christ is greater because he's in charge of us. He is Lord, right? If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Let's hop on to verse 7. That is why the Holy Spirit says, now keep in mind this, this, this phrase keeps coming up throughout this whole chapter. And what Paul does is he now quotes from Psalm 95. So this is why the Holy Spirit says, today, everyone say today. today. That means right now, we're not talking about the past, we're not talking about the future, this is relevant right now, today. Today, when you hear his voice, Whose voice? The voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Now, he is quoting again from Psalm 95. So this would have been a song that these Hebrews would have recognized. And he's connecting the dots. Verse 9, he's still singing the song. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracle for 40 years. So, so you remember the, the story of the Hebrew children leaving Egypt. They're on their way, and for 40 years, he said, they saw me work miracles for 40 years. They saw me part the Red Sea. They saw the, the pyrotechnics of Mount Sinai. They experienced manna and quail. They didn't go hungry one day. Their shoes didn't even wear out. For 40 years, they kept the same clothes that didn't wear out. I took care of them. Nobody invaded them. Nobody attacked them. Everyone that would look at them was afraid of them. For 40 years, I took care of them, and they still hardened their hearts and rebelled. How, how did they do that? If you remember, it had nothing to do with sin. God took care of their sin, remember? He set up the tabernacle plan in the wilderness, and there, he set up the sacrifice plan to atone for their sins and to roll it forward, right? So all he asked of them was, let's leave Egypt. I have a promised land for you. I promise a land for you. It is full of milk and honey. It, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build, crops you didn't plant. You're going to have vineyards. You're going to have everything there. And the occupants of that land, I will drive them out ahead. You're not even going to have to fight them. All you have to do is just enter into the land and the Bible says that God said, I will send my terror ahead of you and they will be so confused, they will turn on each other and they will flee. You're not even gonna have to fight the people for the land. I'm just gonna give it to you. You just have to trust me. Have faith in me, right? So that, that's what the song is about. Verse 10, so I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Why were they refusing to do what they tell them? Because they didn't trust them, right? Verse 11. So here we go. We're getting, so what does this have to do with Sabbath? What does this have to do with rest? Well, we're going to see right here in verse 11. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. 
I want to experience this rest of God. Everything that Moses did was an illustration. They had a chance to get into the promised land, which is a place of rest, right? Why didn't they enter? Was it because they sinned? No, he was taking care of their sins. He was sacrificing animals, right? So with us, why is it that you don't enter into rest? Is it because you have sin in your life? No, the blood of Jesus atones for your sin. The Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, who is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins, right? Now, say, well, you, you don't understand. I still struggle with sin. That's not what's keeping you from rest. Now, as you continue to submit to God, the Holy Spirit will empower you to help conquer that sin because, and to help you realize you're already set free from that sin. But notice, he said, they're not going to enter into my rest. Why? Because they didn't do what I said. And, and it, Paul clarifies what's going on here. Let's just kind of continue the, the journey. He's going he's gonna to fine-tune it and focus it even more. So, so now Paul, after he just recited the song, he says this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Now, let's stop there real quick. I, I get fussed at sometimes because I don't just preach long sermons about the social issues that are going on. Pastor, there's lots of evil going on in this world. How come you don't speak out against you know, the, the, the woke agenda and this and that and everything else? Be, well, first of all, the world's going to act like the world. Why are we going to get offended? <laughs> you know, you can read Romans 1. And then it says, here's a result of everything when man said, I don't need God anymore. You can read a big old long result of it, right? And I have people say, yeah, and it lists the sin of homosexuality in there. It does. It also lists lying. <laughs> and there's a lot of Christians that unfortunately lie, right? It lists, uh, it lists adultery in there. There's a lot of Christians that are not being faithful to their spouses. It lists dishonoring your parents. It lists pride. Man, let me tell you, that's one reason why I get invited to go to all kinds of preacher conferences. I don't like going there. Why? Because there's a lot of pride walking around. Oh, here's pastor so-and-so. Here's pastor so-and-so. Well, guess what pastor means? The word just means shepherd. And if you're a shepherd, guess what you have? It doesn't matter what kind of fancy suit you got on. You still got sheep poop on your shoes because you're a shepherd. So how conceited can you get with sheep poop on your shoes? Come on, get over it. And then you get into Romans chapter two after it lists all this stuff. And it says, and by the way, y'all used to be just as bad as them, so you have no room to judge. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. Everybody needs Christ, <laughs> right? So if you want me to talk about evil, Let's talk about evil. Do you realize what evil is in the kingdom of God? An evil heart of unbelief. Do you realize if you don't have faith, God considers that evil? Because he's saying, what are you calling me, a liar? I'm God and I can't lie. I'm not like man. If I told you I have it taken care of, it's taken care of. And yet, 
that definition, now I know we can go to Romans 1 and list all kinds of evils, but it really boils down to this. There's one thing that would solve that whole list in Romans 1 for man to realize we need God. <laughs> in order to have God, you have to have Christ. In order to have Christ, you've got to have faith. So it all boils down to, all evil boils down to this, lack of faith, which means the church is full of evil, <laughs> which means there are days that I have an evil heart of unbelief. Woo! If you can't say amen, say oh me. I'm saying oh me big time right now. <laughs> An evil heart of unbelief turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still, here it is, there's that word, today. That means it's relevant today. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. While it's still today, warn each other so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. What is it talking about? The list that he, that he listed off in the book of Romans. Now he's talking about the core of all issues. Lack of faith. He said, warn each other. Hey, don't give up on your faith. Don't stop trusting God. We got to trust God. That's why I, don't, I can't afford to hang out with negative people that are constantly fussing and constantly complaining. Why? Because I need my faith built up. I got to get around somebody that'll tell me, hey, Dave, it's going to be all right. Don't worry. Hey, listen, God's got your back. I know it's rough right now. Don't give up. God's never failed you, and he's not about to fail you today. Warn each other, right? And then it goes on, verse 14. For if we are faithful, that word means full of faith, if we are full of faith to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. Man, I love it when folks first come to Christ. They're so full of faith, so full of excitement. They just want to hug people. Man, I've seen people get, the hardest people get saved and well, just, just true tears of repentance. And man, they just hug and everything. They'll hug the, 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 the speaker pole. They'll hug everything. I mean, they just, they want to show so much love. And then, but, but man, you let, you let folks hang out long enough with other Christians. And man, they'll start looking like they're baptizing pickle juice, just like everyone else, right? But he said, if you'll be, remain just as full of faith as when you first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. What belongs to Christ? Everything. And what do we get to share in? Everything. Say, so if I have faith, God's going to make me a millionaire. If you have faith, you're already a gazillion, billion, trillionaire, whatever crazy number you want to say, because you get to share in everything. God's economy isn't about the U.S. dollar. God's economy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Isaac. I will. God's economy is not about the U.S. dollar. Say, but I have a real need. I need $5,000. If it is a real need, God's going to meet it according to his riches in his glory. Not somebody else's resource. He's going to get the glory. But it has nothing to do with, man, his riches, you can't even buy with money. Can you buy righteousness? Can you buy peace? Can you buy joy? Can you really buy prosperity? Prosperity is not about money. Now, money can be a part of prosperity, but there's a whole lot of people with money that are not prospering one bit in life. But there are some people that are living day by day, trusting in God, 
And yet, boy, they're having the time of their life in the Lord. They're prospering. Amen? All right, so we're still talking about rest. So he, he repeats it. He goes back to Psalm 95. Remember what it says, today, <laughs> right now, when you hear his voice, how do we hear the voice of God? Someone said, I would, do, I would try to do the will of God. I just can't hear his voice. I, I just can't hear his voice. You have his word. Don't you? you got a Bible, don't you? That's his voice. Start there. And by the way, every time I believe that God has spoken to me, and I, which, which here at the conclusion, I want to share something that the Lord spoke to me this past week. But every time the Lord, I feel like the Lord has spoken to me, I'll begin to praise him. I said, can you confirm it with your word? And he'll give me a scripture to back up what he said. Because he's not going to tell me anything that he doesn't already confirm with his word. And if it doesn't confirm with the word, I know it's not from him. Amen? So, so we get caught up in this modern Christianity of, I don't hear the voice of God. You, you can hear it every single day. <laughs> Open up the word, right? He says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. In other words, don't doubt it. Believe it. If you see it in his word, believe it. In the midst of everything, believe it. Verse 16, and we're wrapping up here. Everyone still with me? And who was it who rebelled against God? Even though they heard his voice, wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? So who was it that rebelled? Who was it that doubted God? Was it the Egyptians? No, it was, it was his own people. Even after they heard his voice. They heard his voice so loud it freaked them out. They said, oh, Moses, you go talk to God because it's scaring us to death. You, you talk to God and then you tell us what God said. And that's what a lot of Christians do today. Preacher, you hear from God and then you preach the word that God told you to preach and that's good enough for me for the rest of the week. You know, those of you who are going to come eat next week with Erica and I at brunch with the butlers, I hope you get your fill. But I also hope you eat the next day and the next day and the next day, right? I hope that's not the last time you decide to be sustained until the following week. Otherwise, you're going to be hungry. <laughs> You're not going to be very healthy, are you? Verse 17, and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see, this is the summary, and this is how chapter 3 ends. We see, if you're saying, how do I enter into this rest of God? Well, this is how you don't enter in. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. If you feel like you're freaking out over stuff, or if you feel that you are overburdened, or if you feel that you're stressed or ultra angry, or you just can't get past anything, the kingdom-minded person doesn't say, oh, where am I sinning in my life? No, the blood of Jesus will take care of the sin. What you need to ask yourself is, where am I not trusting you? Amen. I'm learning to do that with every day of my life. If I start feeling stressed or pressured in some area, I have to stop and go, okay, whoa, God, where am I not trusting you? I know I have some responsibilities. I'm going to get them done, and you're going to help me get them done because you provided everything I need today to get everything I need done done. Where am I not trusting you? And the Holy Spirit will reveal it. And I have to, Father, I repent. You know what? 
I believe, I believe you're taking care of it. I trust you. This is all going to work out fine. We'll find out next week, Ephesians 4, or Hebrews 4 says that when you enter into the rest of God, he that enters into the rest of God ceases from his own works. Just as God ceased from his work, you get to cease from your works. Say, well, what? I'm not going to be doing anything? Oh, no, you'll be plenty busy. It's just not laborious. Matter of fact, there'll be days you get to wear yourself out in the Lord. But it's a different type of wear. We, put it this way, we could all get out and decide to like dig some ditches out here and wear ourselves out and go to bed exhausted. Or we can all like load up and go to Six Flags and hang out for the day and wear ourselves out and go to bed exhausted. There's two different kind of exhaustions, right? Or two different type of tired. You remember when I was a kid, man, my mom used to make me mow the grass. Man, I'd get out there for an hour and wear myself out. I'd be so tired. But every year at Christmas time, I got to help her get the Christmas tree out, put the Christmas decorations up, set the manger scene up, all that stuff. Man, I'd be so tired at the end of that day. But that was fun. I loved it. That was a different type of tired than had I had to go mow the grass. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the staff, we have a wonderful staff, uh, pastoral staff. And we all worked really hard to do the uh, marriage seminar the other week. And we worked behind the scenes. There was a lot of action. And we did it to serve the married couples. And it was a blessed event. Those of you who got to go, got to attend, man, it was a blessed event. It was fun. Uh, lots of laughter, lots of tears, lots of good food. And that Monday morning when we had our little devotional, we were all looking at each other. Whew, we were whooped. But we all had a big old grin on our face. Why? Because it was a blast. We got to serve in the kingdom of God and pour ourselves. What was that? We were working, but we were resting. It was a joy. It wasn't laborious, and it wasn't stressful. We kept telling it. I, that's why I kept preaching. I was like, this is a stress-free zone. We're going to have fun. Ain't nothing to stress about. And uh, boy, we got to enjoy the rest of God as we worked really hard. That's the kingdom. That's the Sabbath. Sabbath isn't just a day of rest. It's a lifestyle of rest. Setting up this morning, Ryan and I came in here. We got all ready. I, I don't, you know, Alexa plays drums now. Does a wonderful job. So it takes me a while to remember. Oh, yeah, how do you plug all this stuff in? There wasn't one part of me stressing out. Man, it was fun. I got good and sweaty. It's like, man, I'm going to be nasty preaching to you guys today. <laughs> and y'all just going to have to deal with it. My beautiful wife brought an extra shirt for me. Then she said, you know what, just don't worry about it. So I didn't. I took her advice. Yeah, that's, that's preaching right there. I'm not going to worry about it. Y'all just going to have to deal with sweaty day. <laughs> but if you're not entering into his rest... It's, it's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. The kingdom of God, to enter it, requires faith. Trust. I submit to you, I trust you. Same thing with his rest. Lord, I submit to you, I trust you. Let's all stand. I want to share something real quick. Uh, and then we're going to sing another. We're, we're going to worship one more time together. Matter of fact, I can celebrate. Ryan's trying to, he's trying to wear me out today, trying to make me uh, live this sermon because I think we're doing, we're doing I Thank God again, right? That's right. That's right. So y'all got to get your dancing shoes back on. Uh, 
I, I want to share uh, a vision that the Lord gave me the other day, and I very much believe it was a vision for the Lord, um, and, and then a word that he shared with me about it. Uh, I was out on Collins, turning back into the neighborhood, and was at the red light, and just happened to kind of glance over at all the, the work that's being done in some of the shopping centers across the street, but my attention drifted over to where Marco's Pizza is, that, that strip, right across Collins. And, uh, and I had to blink a couple of times because in my, in, in my mind, and I realized after I blinked, I realized it was, it was like a vision. I saw just a beautiful rooftop behind, behind there, behind that shopping center. And it was, just a, it, was, it was the top of a church building. And the reason why I had to blink is because I just, when I saw it, it just, my heart just, you know, you, you know, you know that feeling when you've been off, maybe on a business trip, or you've just been traveling a lot, and when you finally come into the house, you pull into your, your garage or whatever, and you just kind of go, ah, "I'm home." It felt. That's what I felt. I looked and went. Ah. I, just, I wanted to turn left to go, you know, go back there behind it, and then, you know, it, it was like you know, three seconds, but twenty minutes worth of download, right? And I, I blinked and kind of rubbed my eyes and realized, oh, I'm. What did I see? And, and, I re, and, and the, the fire and the desire for us to have our, our own church building, it, it's always been there, but it's almost like the spirit blew on those embers, right? And, and, uh, and I'm not saying that's where it's going to be, you know? I mean, I'm assuming the Johnson family owns that back in there. Uh, I'm not saying that's where, it, but it was just the potential and possibility of us having our own place. And I praise God for this facility. Uh, and, and, but but it's, uh, it's temporary, right, for us. And I don't know how, when, what, but, but I've always prayed over it. And it's something that my wife has prayed about. Matter of fact, she, you know, for our, our wedding, she started the, the building fund. Hey, you know, for, if you wanted to give to our, you know, bless us for our wedding, just give to the building fund. And some folks continue to do that here and there for when the time comes, uh, that we'll, we'll have a, a seed already, financial seed. And uh, so last Tuesday, I began to pray, just asking the Lord about the building again and just praying for him to open doors. And I was, I was out on my back porch and he spoke to me very vividly. He said, speak to the building. I said, speak to the building. He said, speak to the, he said, you know, he reminded me, Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Jesus commanded us to speak to the mountain. He didn't say, Lord, would you curse this fig tree for me, Father? No, he spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to the fever in Peter's mother, mother-in-law. He didn't say, God, would you heal my mother, or Peter's mother-in-law? He spoke to the fever and rebuked it. He spoke to the wind and the waves. He spoke to it. So God said, speak. You, you operate in the authority of Christ. Speak. And so I began to, I began to pray and speak to our future building and just, just gave it permission to manifest itself however God would choose to do so and just begin to speak over it and speak that it was a house of prayer and a house of worship and it would be, it would be, it would be something for folks to truly understand and get to know the kingdom and fellowship and everything. Begin to speak over it and before I knew it, I began to pray in tongues and when I do that, I pray, God, give me the interpretation because I just don't want to sit here and pray in tongues without knowing what you're doing in the spirit. And so this is the word that came to me from the Lord. So I'm going to speak it out. If those of you who want to think I'm crazy, that's fine. It's not the first time. 
Uh, those of you who want to agree with me in faith and pray over this, feel free to do so. I felt like God said, I am the Lord Almighty. I am your all in all. I am your source. Just as you have decreed on earth, I have issued a command in heaven. Be patient because your, your promised land of rest, your home, will reveal itself soon enough in my time. It is now in motion in the spirit. Remain faithful and patient and you will see the reward of all your labors. I, the Lord, decree this today. And I asked him, I said, Lord, give me, give me a confirmation from your word. This was the scripture that he gave me. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith, trusting God and patient, patience inherit the promises. I believe that God's promised it to us. I don't know when, I don't know how. I know he's gonna provide it. I already spoke, been speaking for some time. I don't think he wants us to be indebted and, and, and chained fully to a bank because that would limit what we can do ministry wise. So we don't move till the cloud moves. We don't, we don't step until the command takes place, but we can pray in the spirit. And, and so I'm asking for those who are full of faith to take this word See if I can get back to it. Take that word, pray over it, water it in the spirit, nurture it in the spirit, and just stand on the promises of God. If it's five months, if it's five years, I don't know. It's all, hey, that's his, that's his terrain. That's his dominion. And until then, we're going to meet here and we're going to worship and we're going to be grateful for this beautiful, what a beautiful place we got that we can come and worship. But God is going to grow us spiritually and numerically. And he's going to make a way. Amen. Father, I love you. I praise you. I bless your name, Lord. I say yes to your word. I say yes to your promises. Teach us through faith, through trust, to enter into your rest, to recline with you. Because we are seated in heavenly places with you. And if at your heavenly place you are at rest, then we too can be at rest. We can be in the midst of the fire, but still at rest because you are with us. Even when Moses asked, who am I to go and speak to Pharaoh? You said, hey, I'm going to go with you. As long as you're with us, God, that's all that matters. So we bless you and we praise you today. We release healing in this house. We release joy in this house, righteousness, peace, and joy. We release your kingdom in this house and the lives of everyone here. And help us to celebrate your goodness and just to thank you for everything you've done. We just bless you today in Jesus' name. Can we give them a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Y'all give me a second to get set up and catch my breath.